All right, Lord, we just pray over this time in the Word right now. And I pray the blood of Jesus over this Word and everyone involved. Lord, I ask you that the anointing would increase right now on all of us. Let the glory settle over us. Let the anointing and the glory be so strong on this Word. And every person that's going to be hearing this, that we're locked in to give you our best ear, our full attention, our focus. Help us, our minds, to be tuned in to what you're saying. Lord, anoint our eyes and ears. Give us eyes and ears of the Spirit to be able to see and hear and understand what you're speaking. Lord, I ask you to let the words come out of my mouth as living seeds of truth sown in a good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives. Watered by the Holy Spirit. Cause those seeds, Lord, to go forth and bear fruit. They'll take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Let your word, Lord, be like a powerful hammer that shatters, just, I mean, annihilates and shatters and destroys every stronghold of the enemy. Let your light of your truth shine forth and dispel any darkness, lies, deception of the evil one and bring truth and revelation. Lord, let your sword go out and cut away what needs to go. And let the word of the Lord go forth and accomplish everything that you sent it forth to do. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. We believe right now. We bind away any resistance or hindrance to the word. But we're asking, Lord, let the wind of your spirit get behind this word. Come speak through me and let it go forth and accomplish everything that you intend for it to do around the world. And we pray this now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to deal with stubborn faith tonight. I'm actually going to finish this series. I've got a series I'm going to begin going into the fall feast. I'm going to explain a lot of that. I'm going to explain about types and shadows of the Old Testament. What was in the natural in the Old Testament now is in the spiritual and the new. I'm going to explain all that. You know, and the importance of that, because the Bible says that, that about types and shadows. But listen, it's important that we understand that whenever you take something and you draw two-dimensional, that's one thing, but when you add shadows to it, it causes there to be a depth to it, and you see it in a different way. And when you understand the Old Testament types and shadows, it brings a depth to your Christian wall that we really need. Okay, So I'm going to be going into that in the next series. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself with it, but I'll be dealing with a lot of things. It's going to be really good. All right, so stubborn faith. We're ending the series on healing. And I'm going to start out, though, in Luke chapter 18. A really good parable. You ready? It says, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not to turn coward or faint, lose heart, or give up. So in other words, pray and don't give up. Did everybody get that? You've got to be persistent in your prayers. It's not that God says no a lot of times. It's just that there's things to work out before you're going to see it. That's just the way it is. We all want to get from A to Z like that. Now we're there. And the Lord says, no, there's a lot of ground to cover before you get there. Okay. It's just like people that say, Lord, I want to be in your presence. I want to be intimate with you and know you. From the time you start praying that way, God begins a process in you of getting everything out that's a hindrance. And that can take a long time. And, and you, all of a sudden, you're praying for something really good. And what it looks like in your life is now you're going through all this stuff. (laughs) 
And you're going, Lord, I just want to be in your presence. Why am I going through all this stuff? And the Lord is using the stuff to get everything out that needs to go so you can be close to Him. You see what I'm saying? So a lot of times it's a process that we're going through. And in verse 2 it says that he said that in a certain city there was a judge who neither revered or feared God nor respected or considered man. This was an evil judge. He didn't care nothing about God. He didn't care anything about justice. He didn't care anything about people. Verse 3. There was a widow in the city who kept coming to him saying, Protect and defend and give me justice against my adversary. You can understand widows at this time, they were, they were poor. They needed help. You know, they, the widows back in this time were not like today. A lot of them were not able to get out and work because um, the work that paid good money was work that only men could do. Now with our modern technology, women can do just about anything a man can do. But back then, that's not the case. And so she was poor. And she was going to this judge desperate saying, Can you please give me justice and help me? Verse 4. For a time he would not help her. But later he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will defend, protect, and avenge her. Least she give me intolerable annoyance and she wear me out by her continual coming or at last she may come and rail on me and assault me and strangle me this is the amplified version and then then the lord said listen to what the unjust judge says and will not our just god defend and protect and avenge his elect his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night he will not defer them. In other words, he's not going to put them off. He's not going to delay. Jesus says in verse 8, I tell you, he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will find persistent faith on the earth. That's what this whole thing is about right here, this whole parable. You've got to be persistent. Because I think a lot of times people look at God like that unjust judge. They don't see the process and what's going on in their life. And they're frustrated with God. They're saying, Lord, why aren't things happening the way I want it to? The Lord, Jesus is saying the Lord is, is a good God. He's at work. And the Lord is encouraging us, do not give up. Pray and keep pressing into God. Don't give up. Be persistent. Because if you are persistent, you will see the result. And I love how it ended there. Jesus said, But when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes back, He says, I will find persistent faith on the earth. People that were very persistent in their faith. And that's where God is trying to get every one of us, isn't it? To a place to where we have a persistent faith in God. A persistent faith in God is a faith that does not depend on feelings. Like I mentioned earlier in the service. Feelings, if you live by feelings, you're going to live by shifting sands in your life. One day you'll be really, really happy and excited. And next day you'll be in some deep, dark depression. You know, it's, it's the shifting sands of how you feel one day to the next. People feel, I feel God's nearness and then you don't. And I'm going to tell you, I've been there when I was younger in the Lord. 
I'd feel God really near and feel His presence, and then it felt like He wasn't near, and, and it was very discouraging. And God finally had to teach me through that. He was telling me, Son, listen, quit depending on how you feel. I'm with you. Period. Whether you feel it or not. That's why it's so important as I'm dealing with the healing ministry. I'm dealing a lot with people's getting really grounded and established in faith in the Word of God. Because once you know the Word, no matter what's going on in your life, the Word of God acts like an anchor down that... Picture this. you got a boat, and they're stuck out at sea, and they know that a storm is coming and they somehow try to anchor themselves so they don't get off course that they can stay in, in that one place and the storm hits and, and even though they're, they're tossed back and forth and the waves are there there's something that has anchored them in that spot and held them there and that's how faith in the Word of God, as you keep doing what I gave you with that prayer chart for faith, every day you keep meditating on the Word of God and speaking the Word of God and getting it down in you. It's getting out of just intellectually agreeing with something to now it getting down into your heart and in your spirit where now it's like there's a true, deep faith in you. That type of faith is the type of faith that anchors you in life and the type of faith where things happen. And that's what leads me to Mark chapter 11, verse 20. The disciples saw that Jesus had cursed the fig tree. And now they were coming back. And as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered at the roots. And being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is withered. And Jesus answered them saying, have faith in God. Now let me just stop there. You know what great faith is and stubborn faith is and persistent faith is? It is not faith in you. It's not faith in your feelings. It's not faith in your faith. Well, I feel like a a great man of faith and power today. So great things are going to happen. And then another day, what's going to happen when you don't feel that way? You've got to learn, and I'm going to tell you from my personal experience too, there's so many times where I have felt such resistance right at some of the greatest things. You know, there's a sermon that, that uh, I used to listen to, as a preacher preached, I really love his ministry, but it's taught, it called attack before blessing. And he said, the greater the attack, the greater the blessing, okay? But that's so true. You know how many times I've felt such a resistance where the enemy has tried to bring such an intimidation or something right before something great happened? And it's a resistance. Now, if I was somebody that just lived by feelings, when those things happened, it would be easy to just cut and run or feel like nothing's going to happen and start getting real negative. But I've learned it really doesn't matter how I feel. And I refuse to let the enemy trying to resist affect me. I just refuse to do it. Because that if you do that, you're letting the enemy manipulate you. I'm not going to go there. And you just keep looking to the Lord. Lord, you said this. I prayed this. I'm going to tell you something else about the Lord. There's a scripture in 1 John. I don't remember the exact verse off the top of my head. But it says, if you pray according to the will of God, He hears you. And if you know that He hears you, you have it. And that's the key. If you're praying, God, come move in power tonight. That's the will of God. You're praying, Lord, save souls. You're praying, Lord, bring healing to the sick. All these things are the will of God. If you pray according to the will of God, He hears you. But here's the faith part. You know that He hears you. You have it. But don't put faith in your faith. Don't put faith in how you feel. 
it has to be faith in God. Because God is far above all of that. Verse 23 says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received it, and it will be granted to you. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so your Father in heaven will also forgive you for your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your transgressions. But I just want you to notice, therefore I say to you, verse 24, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received it. This is the key. If anybody can get out of all the things that I've preached in this whole faith series, if you can get to the place to where you pray about something and you believe that you have it, you don't feel any different, you don't see it yet, and it's, it's as though nothing seems in the natural to dictate that you have it, but yet you've already prayed about it and you believe you have it. Then, your mouth is going to come into agreement with that. You're going to be walking around saying, I believe God's at work in this area, I believe it's happening. And, as you, and, and it's like that momentum of faith is there and it will happen. But you've got to learn. I do, all of us are working on this, but every time, because there's always a battle. You know, the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. That's the battleground. It's that every time you pray about something, believe it to be done. I had to really discipline myself about that. Because I found out at some point in time in my Christian walk that there was a lot of things I'd pray about and honestly just didn't believe. And I finally just kind of convinced myself of the, of the fact that if I just flat out don't believe anyway, it's not any reason to pray. It's, there's, it's a pointless prayer. So I started disciplining myself that every time I went to pray, I was like, I'm not going to pray unless I'm going to believe God. So I would get a scripture, and then I would pray about it, and I would stand on that and say, Lord, I believe now that you're at work. And I started changing the way that I prayed. And then it became a habit over time. But it's truthful that, you know, if we're just going to just flippantly say things and not even really pray from our heart or even believe that God hears us, there's a big hindrance in that, isn't there? But if we'll pray and we will believe it to be done, then things start happening. That's the key. And that type of praying in faith comes from getting the word down in you because once that gets down in you, it produces a great faith in your heart. So we know that it's God's perfect will to heal us, even though we're imperfect. Did you know that? So it's not based on your righteousness. It's based on what Jesus did at the cross. So some people can say, well, I'm not perfect. That's why God hasn't healed me because of this, that, or the other. That's not true. That's not why you haven't seen a breakthrough. There's people that I can go out today and start praying for people on the streets that are total heathen. And I promise you some of them will be completely healed. Guaranteed. They're not perfect. They're not even saved. So it's not based on our perfection. It's based on what Jesus did at Calvary. You've always got to go back to that. That is the foundation. I am saved not because of my righteousness, but I am saved because of the blood that was shed at Calvary. His righteousness. My healing does not come because of my righteousness, my perfection. I can't earn it, but it comes because of what Jesus did at Calvary. My deliverance is not based on my works. 
but it's based on the fact he hung on a cross. It all goes back to the covenant. And the covenant really, first, before it was with us, it was between God the Father and God the Son first. That's what people need to understand. Yes, we share in the covenant. But the covenant between at Calvary was between first and foremost God the Father and God the Son. And don't you know that's a powerful covenant? An eternal covenant. And so that brings me to some of the scriptures like Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says, it is by grace that we're saved through faith. Now we always read that and understand that as a born again experience. And that's true. There's no doubt about it. But the word saved there is sozoed. So it's more than that. It has to do with healing. It has to do with being delivered and protected and preserved and prospering in life. It's everything. The sozoed word in the Greek saved is everything Jesus paid for us to have. It's more than just being forgiven for your sins. And you know what the Hebrew counterpart for that word? We have the New Testament's in Greek, the Old Testament's in Hebrew. The Hebrew counterpart for sozo is Yeshua. Yeshua is Jesus' name. Salvation. And when you look in the Old Testament and you look at the word Yeshua, you've got to understand it's the same word in the Hebrew as sozo. So Jesus... He is our Savior. He's our healer. He's our deliverer. And He paid for complete victory over the enemy, didn't He? There's nothing that, that Jesus left undone. You know, He could have stopped at a certain point. He could have done a, a partial victory. But Jesus went all the way. You realize that He hung there for six hours. It had to be six hours. First off, six is the number of sinful man. But there's a lot involved with the fact that they had three sacrifices that day and he had to be there those full six hours. I don't want to get into that, but I'm just saying nobody else would do that but Jesus. Okay? He was he was open, bleeding, wounded. He hung there for six hours. I, we did some living cross thing one time at a church I was at and, and we just had to be up there to get people's attention at Easter and, and stand up there. Man, I'm telling you, after about 15 minutes... You felt it, okay? Just hanging there. I mean, it was just so uncomfortable. I mean, I can't even imagine six hours of being in agony like that. So Jesus paid for everything we need. And what we've got to do is, our responsibility is to create a faith culture within ourselves and in our church. And that comes by preaching the the truth, preaching the word. So stubborn faith, here is a key. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth... Jesus is Lord. And, look at this, believe where? In your heart. Does it say believe in your head? Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved or sozoed there again. That's that word sozoed. So here's the key I want you to get. You and I have got to get the word of God down in our hearts. Here's how it works. If you will speak something out of your mouth, the Word of God, you'll speak the Word of God out of your mouth, and you really do believe it in your heart, and you're speaking out of heart faith, I'm telling you things will happen. But too many people will sit through a sermon, and they'll listen to something, and they'll say, you know, I agree with that. And then they go to pray about it, and they're not really seeing the same level. And they're frustrated. They're like, why... 
But the truth of the matter is there's a difference between mentally agreeing with something and really getting the revelation of it in your heart. That's the difference. It's the difference between those that know the Word of God will know what I'm talking about. Logos here, rhema here. There's a difference. There's a difference between anybody, even a sinner, can pick up the Word of God and just read it and they get the information in their mind, their mind processes it, and they go, okay, I, I agree with that. Anybody can do that. But there's a big difference between that and it getting illuminated down in your spirit, man, where it takes up residence in you, and there's something deep down in you that says, I know that that's real. I know it. There's, a, there's something in you. That is true heart faith. And that's what you're after. So as you keep meditating on the Word of God, and you keep speaking the Word of God, it will eventually work its way down into your heart. And it becomes more than just a mental thing. It is a rhema in you, in your heart. So out of that, you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. Stubborn faith. Here's some keys that I've given you probably already, but use your authority over sickness. Don't just beg God. Take authority over stuff. Don't go by feelings. Also, as I mentioned before, don't have faith in your faith, but have faith in God. And here's a couple things. Faith, confession. Once you've prayed about something and you know that you've got the victory, here's how this works. Some things you can pray about and you know it's the will of God and you know the word of God and you simply are just going to stand on the fact that you prayed about it and believe God. And that's enough. You're going to see it, okay? There's other things that you have to really go to God and pray. And it's not that God's in any way ignoring or anything like that, but you you have to keep praying the situation through. Because there's more involved in this equation. Maybe you have people that are rebellious and they're not right and they're certainly not listening to God. Maybe you have spiritual warfare. But whatever it is, you pray the thing all the way through and eventually in your spirit, you know it's done now. How many have experienced that? You prayed something all the way through and you felt at some point... It's done now. Now, here's what you do when you get to that part. Now, you begin to thank God and praise Him and you speak faith confessions. Because you may not see the outworking of it for some time. Because things are first born in the Spirit. (laughs) And then you will see the result of it in the natural. But that can be days, that can be months, that can sometimes even be years. And people that don't have faith can get discouraged. You can't allow that. We don't live, what does the Bible say? We don't live by sight. We live by faith. So don't go by what you're seeing in the natural. Something, as you prayed that thing through, you felt. Now it is done. I've prayed it through. So now your mouth is praising God and thanking Him. Lord, I thank you that you're at work. I praise you that the angels are on assignment. Your Holy Spirit's at work. Things are moving this direction. It's happening. And you know, speak the word of God over the situation. But I'm telling you, there's awesome power in that. I remember there was somebody who told a story one time. Maybe they had a vision or something God had shown them. And they had seen angels around somebody's life. And the angels were inactive and somewhat even frustrated. And in this vision, 
if they would have simply spoken the word of God over the situation and been positive about what they were saying, the angels would have been active on their behalf. But because they were grumbling and complaining and being negative, it was actually hindering the purposes of God. So be careful because the very things that you're saying, as maybe you prayed with great faith yesterday, but today you're in the realm of grumbling and complaining and being negative, you actually can begin to hinder what God is trying to do. So stay in faith and keep speaking faith over situations. The next realm is speaking blessings. Man, this is so powerful. Now, faith, speaking faith, what I call faith confessions is one thing. You're declaring the Word of God. But blessings is a different thing. Blessings is where you're, you're speaking out of your mouth positive words that you want to see happen. But you're speaking it out over people and places and situations and circumstances. And speaking blessings, I can't get into it too much today, but I think most of you know what it is. But when you very first start speaking blessings, it's just like in Texas in August usually. The ground is, is dry and cracked, and it'll come a rain, and the rain just soaks up real fast and disappears. And then you, it keeps raining, and it soaks, and it keeps raining. Eventually, it'll be standing water. Once you start speaking blessings, it's like it soaks in. If you'll keep blessing the thing, eventually it'll it'll be like standing water. And blessings and faith confessions both sometimes take some time to see a change in the natural. But you've got to keep speaking it out. Let me tell you the power of speaking blessings. There's a lot of testimonies, but there was a... A, a powerful story. I saw two different ones. Well, actually three. There was a man, him and his wife on the verge of divorce. It was serious. And God really dealt with him about the fact that he himself had been speaking things that were negative in the way of cursing his wife and his marriage. And so his wife had come home. She was very upset. They had had a lot of contention in their marriage anyway. And as she came in, he just began to speak a blessing like this. And he said while he was speaking it, something broke. She started crying, and something shifted in their entire marriage. And you know that they didn't get divorced. The whole thing eventually turned completely around. But it started with him blessing it and stop, stop cursing it. There was a young lady that, a true story, she hated the way she looked. Women, please stop doing that. Okay. Most women do that. Most guys don't care, you know. Like, well, well. But women are different about that. But anyway, she hated the way she looked, and she would speak over herself all the time about how she was fat and ugly. Well, she had a weight problem. And got, she heard somebody, maybe somebody preach. I can't remember how she got this revelation about blessings. I think she heard somebody preach on it. And she realized, hey, I've been cursing myself. So she stopped doing that. She began to speak a blessing over herself. Did you know that she didn't do anything but bless herself, and within a year she lost a ton of weight? Right. Is it raised back from the dead? Yes. Well, that's what happens when we get all robotic and technical. I feel like robot preacher. Got all these wires. All right, anyway. She, she was, uh, I'm sorry, this man had had a heart problem. And he needed to get a bypass. 
And he began to speak a blessing over himself. Over time, he went back to the doctor, and the doctor could not believe it. He says the weirdest thing he's ever seen in his life. There was a creative miracle where the heart had grown something that would bypass the blood on its own, and there was no and there was no way medically that that could have happened at all. It was totally a God thing, a miracle. That's the power of speaking blessings. Okay. So as you're in the realm of faith and you've prayed about things and you believe it, then I encourage you to do those two things. And they're both powerful, but they're completely different. Speak faith over your situation. That's a faith confession. You speak the Word of God, maybe in the realm of praising God for the victory, but also speak blessings. Begin to speak blessings over it, okay? All right, here's the next thing about healing. Love and compassion. Matthew 9.36 It says, Jesus seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was moved on with compassion. When Jesus prayed for the sick and drove out demons and all that, there was a realm there of compassion he had. Healing flows through love and compassion. Where God gives you love for people. He gives you a heart for people. Let me tell you a story. A lot of people don't know this about Oral Roberts. But Oral Roberts had a tremendous healing ministry. And back when he was doing the crusades and seeing all these incredible healings, somebody had asked him, they said, Oral, what, what is your secret about all this, you know? And he said, well, he said, before I minister... He said, I really pray. Because people were thinking he's praying, God, anoint me. Empower me. Give me great faith. I'm sure he did, but this was what his response, though, was. He said, before I minister, he said, I pray that God will give me his love for the people. And people that were interviewing were shocked at that answer. Because that seems to have, in their mind, seemed to have nothing to do with healing. Because you're thinking it's just faith and power. Or the anointing, or the, or the presence of God, or the gifts of the Spirit. Things like that. That's what the focus seems to be on. But Oral knew that it really came out of a heart of love for people. And he prayed that God would give him his heart of love and compassion for people. The second thing about Oral that a lot of people don't know. A lot of times people would send in their prayer requests, say they got to the tent or whatever, and they might write down what's, what their needs are. And they would gather all these prayer requests up, and they took them and they dumped them all out on this big table. And so you've got this table just covered with pieces of paper everywhere. And they were asking for Oral to come and lay hands and begin to pray and believe God for those needs. And to everybody's surprise... Oral went there and he climbed up on the table and he grabbed all this stuff and he's pulling it unto himself and he began to groan and travail in intercession. And they were surprised because they're thinking, man, what in the world is he doing? But he was he was groaning at Romans 8. You know, just like you hear the intercessors praying here. It's, it's groans and travails that cannot be uttered. He was groaning in intercession over those needs. It was a deep calling unto deep. That's what it was. A deep calling unto deep. 
And then also another story about Oral that he shared. And so he shared it on TV, so I'm assuming he won't mind other people sharing it now. And he's gone on to be with the Lord. But he said that he made a mistake one time and God really corrected him. He had, and just learn from this, this goes along with what I'm sharing about love and compassion. But he had been praying for people all night. And there was thousands of people. And he was just flat out exhausted, you know. And he had gone back in the back and there was this little lady that was tugging at his coat wanting prayer. And he was so tired. He had had that all night. And eventually he just turned and said, just take it, you know. And he was frustrated with her. And she flew back and got healed. But as he was turning back, he heard the Lord speak to him. And the Lord said, because you did it the way you did it and there was no love, he said, you will not be rewarded for that one in heaven. And Oral said it broke him. And he, he really just began to you know, weep before the Lord and ask forgiveness. But how easy it is to do things like that because we're all flesh, you know. But it comes out of a love and compassion for people. And I'm going to tell you, when that's the case, the healing ministry, the ministry in general, can have a lot of heartache and frustration. There's so many times praying with people. When you really love and care about people over the years, I'll tell you this. <clears throat> when you sign up for the ministry, you need to sign up for the fact that you're going to be going through a lot of weeping and you're going to be going through a lot of disappointment and a lot of frustration because you see that people sometimes make such stupid decisions and you counsel them to the contrary you pray for them you intercede for them you're everything within you you're trying to help them you get up and preach the truth to them you pray for them in the altar the power of god touches them and then to see them make some of the stupidest decisions and it just breaks your heart. And the ministry has a lot of these aspects to it because in dealing with the healing ministry, it it's, can be very difficult seeing people suffer and go through things and you're in, you're in there with them, praying for them and believing with them. So basically you're sharing in their suffering. And you have to be willing. We're praying, Lord, we want more and more of a healing ministry. We want more and more of this. And the Lord's going, He's doing it, and He's going to be sending more people that are hurting. You know, they're hurting physically, they're hurting mentally and emotionally. They're, they're, they're hurting in their marriage. And you have to get in there and pray with them and believe with them and stand with them. And it's painful. It's difficult. But you have to be willing to stay with it. There's been so many times... I know growing up, I had a, a difficult thing happen when I was a kid. I, one of my dogs was run over. Y'all remember that? You know, when you're a little kid and your dog gets run over, that's that's a painful thing to deal with. But I remember the, the thing that shocked me the most, because me and this little dog at the time, you know, you're real close to those animals. But that dog had been run over. And I remember trying to get to the dog, and the dog was really growling at me and was it was dying, you know. And it was afraid, and it was trying to bite me. That's the first time that's ever happened, you know. But looking back on it, I, I think about all the people in the ministry. <laughs> people that are hurting, and you're trying to help them, and then they're trying to bite your head off. And it's very difficult, because you, you have to develop something within you. The Lord has to help you with it, because it doesn't come natural. 
God's going to help you to be able to overlook those things. And still unconditionally love people and it's hard. I'm just going to tell you, it's very hard. A lot of times people take out on you stuff that's in their life that you had nothing to do with. All right. But you've got to be willing to stick with people through their battles. And God has to help us to love people and have compassion for people because it does not come naturally. You understand that? And there's a difference between human love and God love. Let me explain that real quick. Did you know that there's some people, and y'all please hear me because some of you guys are going out witnessing a lot now and you're going to be running into things. <laughs> so I'm going to try to help you. All right, there's some people out there that the Lord does not feel sorry for them. You understand that? They're on the street. They're going through difficulties in life because of decisions that they've made. And it's like a judgment, you know. And some of these people are master manipulators. I mean, they're better actors than people in Hollywood. They deserve Oscars. And they know how to cry on command. (laughs) They can tell you the biggest sob story. And there's not one word in it that's the truth. And they'll get you to feel so sorry for them and want to give them hundreds of dollars. And all they're going to do is use that money to go buy drugs, alcohol, and all that. They they have no one, and none of it's even true. So I'm just telling you there's a difference between human compassion and God compassion. And here's the thing. We've got to learn to die to our flesh and to keep our emotions under control and let the Holy Spirit give us a love for the people that we have His heart and His mind because having His heart and His mind also means that there's going to be certain people that you kind of feel like, no, wait a second. And that's the Lord, okay? Well, some of you that are going out witnessing, you're going to bump into people that want money and things like that. My advice to you is just use a lot of wisdom with that. You know, give them food. It's interesting because I've tried to buy some people food because they said they were hungry and then I got cussed out. Like, wait a second, I thought you were hungry. So, but there's a difference between God's love and human compassion. Okay? We can easily get kind of into this feel sorry for ourselves and feel sorry for people thing and God's not even in that. So here's what I would advise you to do. Pray to have His heart and His mind and His love for people. Amen? Alright. The last couple things. Grace is released through humility. For us to enter into the sozoed life of divine health Prosperity, supernatural protection, supernatural victory. For us to have these things, we've got to have faith, but we've also got to have God's grace in our lives. And the grace comes through being humble. Some people wonder, why am I not seeing some of the things I want to see? It could be that when God sees that you have finally gotten kind of broken down to a place to where there's actual true humility that you'll start seeing a lot of things happen. You see, pride is a very subtle thing and it's a very dangerous thing, isn't it? 
Pride is something that a lot of times the person that's prideful, it's like bad breath. Everybody else knows they got it. They're the only one that doesn't think they have it. And that's pride, isn't it? Pride is very deceptive. It's something that, that can be in somebody's life. And then the, in the realm of false humility, where it's rooted in being insecure and, and um, having these subtle inferiority complexes and, and things like that, that's not humble. That's just that's another form of pride. But let me tell you, if you'll let God do it, He can start working on us and He can start breaking these things down to where that... And here's the thing with the Lord. The Bible says a broken and a contrite heart He will not despise. And if we fall upon the rock, we'll be broken. There's something about allowing the process. And it's not a fun one. Okay, When people sign up to go into sports and they're, they're going to play football or something and they have to go in for those what they call two-a-days, especially in Texas where it's, you know, 100 degrees and all that, they're not signing up for a fun little vacation. When you're signing up saying, Lord, I want you to use me in a powerful way, what you're really saying is, Lord, I want you to drop me in the grease until everything is burned out of me that's got to be burned out of me so you can use me. That's what you're praying. You think you're praying that tomorrow I'm just going to wake up and be the, the man of great faith and power. You know, everything's just going to happen. It's just going to just fall on me. Everything's going to be great, you know. That's not the way it works. What you're actually praying is, Lord, touch my life and begin to destroy all the stuff in me that's got to go so that you can use me in a powerful way. That's what you're praying. And so when all of a sudden God starts tailor-making trials and difficulties and, and you're going through stuff that's breaking you down, then you know it's easy to get frustrated, but understand that God is doing all of it for our good. All things work together for the good. Sometimes God has got to bring us to a place of brokenness and humility before we can see the things that we want to see. But there's a realm of justice or a realm of grace. Did you know that pride will cause somebody to really hold things against other people? Did you know pride is really connected with unforgiveness? It'll cause somebody to really hold things against someone else. And what happens is, let me try to explain it this way. John, John Arnott does a phenomenal job with this, so I'm going to give a little stab at it here. But he talks about whenever you have, whenever you're in the realm of justice, what you're saying is, Lord, what this person did to me, they deserve discipline and judgment in their life. I'm not going to forgive them. You need to get them. Now, as long as you're in that realm where you're like, God, you need to get them. They have it coming. Just, you know, just nail them. As long as you're in that realm, what's happening is this. You're in the realm of justice. I want justice against my adversary. So Satan is able to go to God as the accuser and say, I want justice against them because they've sinned against you as well. And I, and I deserve. And so God, in his fact that he is just... You have put yourself in a place to where that will happen. You sow, you reap and sow there. So you're demanding justice this way, and now the enemy is able to bring justice because we've all sinned. We've all got things that's not right. But if you will, that realm of justice is way down here. 
If you'll say this, you'll say, Lord, I know this person has wronged me. I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to just simply forgive them and let it go. You have forgiven me from so much. The least I could do is forgive these people. And so, Lord, I'm just going to forgive them. And what happens is this. You come from down here in a justice realm where Satan traffics. You get promoted way up here to a realm of grace where the blessings of God traffic. Where you don't get what you deserve. I don't get what I deserve. We get grace instead. So we've got to come out of that realm of justice into the realm of grace where we walk in forgiveness. And that comes from being humble. Trust me, you don't want to stay in the realm of legalism. Because you know there's a scripture a lot of people don't understand that Jesus said, agree with your adversary while you're on the road. Or he'll take you to court. And basically I'm paraphrasing this. Pastor Scott version. He'll sue you for everything you got. So, you're supposed to agree with your adversary while you're on the road. What in the world does that mean? That means this. Always remember this. Satan is an accuser. And he's always accusing you. And he's your adversary. So you're walking along in life and all of a sudden the devil comes in and starts accusing you of some sin. Instead of, I mean, all of us have done that. Instead of arguing with the devil, why not just say, you know, devil, you're probably right. Lord, forgive me for that. Wash me in your blood. Agree with your adversary along the way. And you'll be washed and forgiven. But if the devil has a a legitimate claim against you that you really did do that, and you're going to sit there in pride and argue with him, you're just going to open yourself up. Does that make sense? If you want to stay in the realm of grace and in the realm of really receiving from the Lord, then don't argue and fight about every, every accusation. I mean, because the truth is, none of us are perfect. And the devil may be saying, you know what, you lied yesterday. You did this yesterday. You blew up against this person. He's trying to come at you from an accuser. Then why not just say, you know what, I did do that. And Lord, forgive me and wash me. I believe that I'm going to be forgiven and cleansed now because I prayed about it. And that's what the Bible's saying about agreeing with your adversary along the way. All right. Here's the last couple things. A baptism of love. Did you know that we desperately need God to baptize us in His love? You know why? There's a lot of people that have felt a call, for example, out on the mission field. And I'm not... I mean... That's, that's a call that, you know, if God put it on me or something, He would give me the grace to do it. But I'm going to tell you, that would be a sacrificial thing. And there were people that were talking about, I believe it was maybe some of those with Heidi Baker or something, maybe they were talking about all these people that were coming over, and then they would get burned out on the mission field, and they'd end up back home. They're not to belittle that, because that could happen to anybody. That could happen to me, it could happen to you. But you know what keeps people? is when they have a baptism of love. Because they have so much love for the people there that it keeps them. They have a love for God and they have a love for people. We need that baptism of love to keep us through what the enemy is going to try to throw against us. It's 
So the last two things, stay in that realm of grace. You're in that realm of grace because if the enemy is accusing you and you did do something, as long as you ask forgiveness, the Lord will cleanse you and you're going to stay in that realm of grace. But you can accidentally come down from there and start arguing and stay in a realm of justice. The bottom line is this. We need a baptism of love, but we also need to stay in that realm of grace where we have undeserved favor on our lives. All right, then raise the standard. We have got to raise the standard. I've been praying and believing God to see the dead raised, and I mean it. You know, what would it be like if somebody came in here and they had a, a child, a baby that had died, and bring them in here? You know, and to see that baby come back to life. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know? To see the creative miracles, that just like we, we saw with the Sousa Street, where that man had come in, his arm was missing, and that arm grew out in front of all of them, and then fingers formed, and then fingernails formed. I mean, it's right there. And so we've got to raise the standard where we're actually believing for these things. All right. Acts 4.27 For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod Pontius Pilate and along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Remember Peter and John were just flogged and they were sent back and they were threatened by the Pharisees. They said do not speak any longer in the name of Jesus. So Peter and John were rejoicing and thanking God for being counted worthy to be persecuted. They came back to the brethren and they all joined together and prayed. And they were praying they said, to do whatever your hand and purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats. What did they pray? And grant your bondservants that we may speak your word with confidence or boldness. Is the way that's translated. Boldness. They didn't pray that God would take away the threats. They prayed for boldness. Are y'all getting this? While you extended your hand to heal... And they were asking, Lord, extend out your hand. Heal. Release signs and wonders through the name of your servant Jesus. They were asking the Lord to do that. Lord, stretch out your hand. Release healings. Release miracles. Release signs. Release wonders in the name of your holy servant Jesus. And it says when they prayed that way, the place they had gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And then Acts 5.12, you see several verses later, you see the outworking of that prayer. They had asked God, stretch out your hand, perform miraculous signs and wonders, and give us boldness. Now look at this, Acts 5.12. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all in accord in Solomon's portico, but none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number to such, such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on them. Also, the people came from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick and afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. Isn't that awesome? Even Peter, as he preached and his shadow passed over people, God was healing people. People were getting delivered to demons, getting healed. We've got to raise the standard river of life where we're believing God for Book of Acts Christianity again. 
I don't want to just be in a place of believing God for little things. If we can believe God for somebody to get healed from the flu or something, you can believe God for somebody to be healed from cancer because it's no different to God. We've seen like a leg grow out or something. That's great. But listen, if God can move a leg, He can grow one out that wasn't there. It's the same God. It's not any harder for God. The only place that it is harder is in between people's ears. Isn't that true? You think God's up there going, oh man. That's, that's a toughie they're asking me. That. No, to God all things are possible to him that believes. I'm telling you, the only place that it is hard is in the minds of Christians that look at something and go, whoa. No, God's not doing that. People do that. There's no reason biblically, there's not one reason why our shadow should not be healing the sick right now. There's just not. There's not a reason why for us to not be seeing creative miracles, dead raisings. You remember when the woman with the issue of blood grabbed Jesus' garment? Jesus wasn't even praying for her, but healing flowed into her. There's no reason that should not be happening. I want to raise the standard as we're closing out this healing series that we're believing God for these things. But when it happens, we have to give Him all the glory because we couldn't do it if we wanted to. The truth is, like I said last week, if somebody put a gun to your head and said, you, you heal this person right now, you couldn't do it. But you can pray to Him who can. And that's what we've got to get to the place where we believe and expect God is showing up and God's going to do it. Okay? So give the Lord all the glory. And I want, as more and more miracles and healings are happening, more and more things are happening, I want to give people a chance that they can glorify Him and thank Him and praise Him for what He did in their life. So in other words, when you're praying for people and they're healed, give them the chance to thank Him for what He did. Amen? Our last thing is this, evangelism and signs and wonders. Mark 16, 14, afterward He appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table and he, he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. And he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those that believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. You know what that means? Supernatural protection. Imagine if you're out doing the work of the Lord on a mission field and get bit by a snake. You've got to believe God. Amen? Paul got bit by a snake and they were all waiting for him to die. Oh man, he must be a criminal. This guy must have been a bad dude for him to get bit by that snake like that. And they were all waiting for him to die. He didn't even swell up or die or anything. And so now they're thinking, they went from thinking he was a horrible, evil man now to thinking he must be a god. But Paul used that as a testimony of I'm, I'm no God or anything, but Jesus protected me from the snake bite and it gave him an opportunity to witness on the Isle of Malta and that whole place heard the gospel. So, and they will drink deadly poison. You know what that means? Back in those times, one of the most common means of assassination was poison. That God will deliver you from the hands of evil men and protect you. People that seek your life. Did you guys ever hear the story about John Heggie and that guy that tried to shoot him that time? 
Yeah, there was a. I think this was on video, but there was a guy that ran up there and had a gun while he's preaching. Started pulling the trigger, and it was just clicking. And um, one of the guys that came to his church was a big old football player, like for Georgetown or something. Came around there, form tackled that guy. I mean, took him out. And um, they looked at the gun, and the gun was fully loaded. God just caused it to misfire. And that's the modern-day equivalent of drinking deadly poison and not harming you. God protected him from an attack from evil men that tried to take his life. And then it says, You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he, received, he was received up in heaven, set down at the right hand of God, and then went out preaching everywhere while the Lord worked with them. This is the point right here. The Lord worked with them and confirmed the word of God by signs and wonders. That is what I'm trying to get at. The Lord shows up on the streets. Not just here, but he's wanting to release the miracles on the streets. Jesus did heal in the temple, but he did a lot of his healing out on the streets. So it is for the church house, but it's also for the streets. And God seems to flow in an awesome way when you go to the lost and hurting. Have you guys noticed that? The Lord will show up in a powerful way. God wants to release signs and wonders to bring in the harvest in these last days. There's different ways that that healing can flow as we take the Lord's Supper, the elders anointing with oil, the gifts flowing. But the Lord is wanting the anointing and the gifts also to get outside the church onto the streets. And that's where this thing is going. And God's going to begin to move in a greater dimension in River of Life, but also out on the streets. There's a new level of His glory coming in, a new level of anointing. And here's what I want to pray with tonight. I want to pray for people that want prayer. But we've got to count the cost. Listen to me. You guys were praying about things like, well, we want Book of Acts Christianity. But do you want Book of Acts persecution? We're saying, Lord, we want a harvest of souls. I remember Steve Hill. I had an opportunity to sit with him and talk to him, and I really cherished that time. And I asked him a lot of things. Well, one of the things he told me was, he said, look, if you're going to go out there and see revival and start seeing souls saved, and these were his words, he said, the devil's not going to be happy you're taking all of his little soldiers from him, and they're defecting and now coming to the Lord's kingdom. He's not going to be happy about it. And I'm going to tell you, he's right. And you know, we want a harvest of souls, but are you willing to endure some of the spiritual warfare that goes along with that? You know, we want a healing ministry, yeah. I believe that it's already to a degree there, but it's going to really explode. When that happens, tell me a healing ministry out there that is not persecuted. Can anybody raise a hand and give me a name of a person, man or woman, that has a powerful healing ministry that is not persecuted? They all are. So there's a realm of persecution that comes with the healing ministry. There's a realm of persecution that comes with revival. You know, every revival that's ever been has been so misunderstood. And, and Satan has thrown so much controversy there. You know, to this day, it kind of upsets me, but even when I was in Bible school, there was a particular book that I was supposed to read. And even in my Bible school curriculum, they had something negative about the Toronto Revival. 
and I had heard negative. And even whenever we went to Toronto, my wife and I, there were some people that would post something on Facebook. Is that the place where all this, you know? And I'm like, no, it's a place where God moves. And I went there for like, we were there for a whole week. You know, and I'd heard all this negative stuff, you know, and I've learned to not listen to it, so it really didn't affect me. It really didn't. But I went there for myself, and a lot of these people, you'll find a lot of these people that talk like that have never been. You just remember that. They never go. They just sit back and throw rocks at things they've never even been to. So my wife and I go, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm open to whatever God wants to do, period. But did you know we were there for a full week, two or three services a day, and I did not see one thing that was not normal revival to me. There was nothing weird, was there? In fact, it felt, to me, it felt like home, you know, because God's moving. It felt great. I love God's presence there. But there's, an, there's a realm of persecution and a stigma that goes with revival. You can study it through history where all of a sudden that weird church, you know, where all that weird stuff happens and, and all of a sudden the, all the leadership and things, it's like there's a stigma. Are you willing to endure the stigma of being known as that weird church? And also with the deliverance ministry and the spiritual warfare aspect of seeing all these people delivered of things, there's a realm of persecution and, and warfare that goes into that. What I'm trying to get at is this. We want Book of Acts Christianity, but you have to be ready for the Book of Acts persecution too, which has to do with not only coming from the world, but coming from the religious community. All of a sudden there's so-called preachers that are devoting sermons against the move of God, you know, and things like that. Books that are written. And I know we talked about last week about a martyr's heart. I want you to think about tonight for a minute. How many of you guys can say, you know, Pastor Scott, I hear you. And regardless of whatever is going to happen, I just want God to move, and I'm really willing to endure the persecution, you know. And not only that, but how many people are really willing to sacrifice their time? Because revival is time-consuming. How many people are really willing to sacrifice the time to pray with them, all the needs of the people, to, to have services on off nights? They're really willing to do that, but I'm going to tell you, it takes a special group of people. A revival broke out in Brownsville. Can you imagine? A normal church. Now, all the people are having to give up their seats and their parking places and everything else to host thousands of people coming from all over. And they're having to have church almost every day of the week to host the people. They're having the worship teams having to lead worship almost every night. I mean, it's ridiculous the sacrifice and the, and the persecution that came. But I'll tell you what, it's all worth it to be in that type of presence of the Lord, isn't it? To me it is. I want you to think about that because I really believe that God is wanting to do some very significant things and He's prepared our hearts for it. There's a momentum. There's something that's happening. There's, it's like today, there's a new level of the glory came in during worship. It was very hard to function. And... Um, Anyway, so there's, there's just something up. And I want us to count the cost and be ready. 
Because when the time comes, I'm going with the Lord, but I've got to have some people that's willing to say, you know, Pastor, I'm willing to come up here and help you pray, help you preach, help you lead worship, and, and, and all the things that need to be done, I'm willing to come up here on these off nights, and you know, we just want to sacrifice for the kingdom. Greater is our reward in heaven. We just want to lay it down for Him and, and have a martyr's heart about the whole thing. That's what I believe the Lord is saying. So what I want to do is go ahead and shut down recordings. We're going to pray for people tonight, those that want prayer. But I want to...